Blog Talk Radio. Moments that we have left. You know the rest, right? So let's restart it. Rail style. All right? All right. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Tonight, we will, I will be covering SmackDown Live, Pizza Simpson will be covering Impact Wrestling, and various other independent showings that have been going on in the world of professional wrestling. And yes, I realize it is a Friday night, but it wouldn't be a Friday night if we didn't have a party, right? Pro wrestling live shows are coming back, and there is audiences about to uh, come in. So you know what? Hang on a second. So, as we say, we got a lot to cover, and I know you want to message us, so Wrestle underscore radio on Instagram, on Twitter, at Brian Rails, underscore Brian Rails on Twitter, and Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com. So, here in a minute, Pizza Simpson will be joining us. And also, we got a lot, I got a lot to cover because you know what? Watch SmackDown Live for the first time all the way through, and I should be watching it all the way through. What am I talking about? I've been watching the replays lately, but I finally watched it live. And I got to say, um, here's what I'm going to tell you. Wow, 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 wow. Put that S on their chest to SmackDown Live is the B-E-S-T. Granted, there's some work to be done with some promos, and, you know, I like the action nonstop and like the feel that Heyman and other producers and creative is giving SmackDown Live the blue brand, if you will, giving it hope. Well, hope can be, right? So, without further ado, folks, we will get into the results as my co-host will join in fairly quickly. I will say, you know what? If SmackDown Live comes to town, I will definitely go. And it will be hella entertaining. Versus what you see on the cross brand, the red brand, WWE Raw. I don't know how we're going to 
I don't know how we're going to react, you know, when we start minus a 25-minute or 25-minute, 25-city tour. I've got SmackDown Live to cover. Yes, I know that. So the Usos were seen backstage with Roman. Okay. And they were talking about what if they were to become six-time tag team champions. I say, you know what, Roman does have a point. But uh, I'll get to that later. So hang on just a second. <laughs> do, 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 do. Got my notes, got to pull them up. Oh, no, no, no. Hmm. No, I never thought about that. Yes, SmackDown Live, June 4th. Oh, my goodness. What a show. Wait a minute. That's not the, That's not my... Uh-uh. No. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I do. I don't know. There's a tag team championship match. Yes, I realize that's it, but I don't know. Allow my co-host, Pizza Simpson, to... Collaborate with Juan. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show my new and beloved co-host, Pizza Simpson. What? What's up, buddy? How are you? You know what? I feel reinvigorated after watching uh, SmackDown Live. It's the first time I actually watched it live because I've been watching the replays lately because I felt like some parts of it was, you know, missing pieces and stuff. But I got to say... Whenever you add Paul Heyman to the mix, as far as producing, writing, putting the show together, booking-wise, he does have experience. I mean, ECW is not something to sneeze at, folks, and various other things that Paul Heyman has done. So um, I must commend. I gotta. I'm sorry, Brian, but I have to. I have to stop you right there and let you know that Paul Paul Heyman is not on the creative team in any capacity. Seems like he must be because he must be the one suggesting or getting someone's ear. I feel like he is. I know he's not, but I feel like he is considering the fact that he's involved in the talent meetings, considering the fact that Heyman has been involved in the past in production, and I know that's falsifying stuff. Sorry, fans, but I personally feel that Heyman was getting involved because, if you notice, there's very little promos and there's very little uh there's very little dead time in between matches or or run ins or attacks or whatever and I feel like um I feel like I mean personal point of view. I know that Jamie Noble, Michael Hayes and Vince McMahon and Shane and all of them are a part of the creative. I just don't there's some parts of me that know that yes, the old man is still in charge of finalizing shit on both or multiple shows for WWE. My apologies. PKM, but let me, I digress, so I'm going to read from my notes what I gathered as most important from SmackDown Live, uh, what's keeping it afloat and whatnot, so there was a tag team championship match tonight, well actually, in the capacity that they had flubbed up the weight, his shoulders was up type shit, (laughs) with, uh, you know, the Usos going to face Rey Mysterio and uh, Dominic, which... Again, I I feel personally that, yes, 
history was made when they won at uh, Backlash, father and son pairing, and now they're on a tear, you know, beating teams like Rude and, and Ziggler, and now they're they're running the gauntlet by beating the Usos. I mean, I don't know. So tonight the show starts off with Roman Reigns and Heyman uh, going to the ring, and then it says, you know, in my notes. That they need to add a tag team title to, you know, to be sure they're equal to the head of the table. And he goes, there's no secret the centerpiece and all revolves around him. And he's the one that allowed all this to happen and skipping through the notes, the cliff notes. So they're getting ready for Hell in a Cell. So Jimmy says he already did Hell in a Cell. But it's about oh, seven tag team, seven time tag team championships or champions. Sorry, cannot talk tonight. But uh, that's a pretty strong, you know, bold prediction. And then uh, there's the tag team championship for the uh, beginning match, which is a pretty bold move. Um, it seems to be a trend through NXT and now SmackDown Live. There was a period in this match where Dominic had, a, you know, he did a roll through pen. The gimmick was uh, one, two. Hey, my shoulder was up. I think you made a mistake. So Sonya Deville. And Joey Mercury, for some weird reason, the active general managers of SmackDown Live. I don't know why the fuck they're going like that, but I don't care. Um, so, yes, there was a controversial finish. And still tag team champions, Ray and Dominic. I'm going to say that Street Profits had a confrontation with Otis. And Otis beat the ever-living fuck out of them in the back. Then you had Carmella versus Liv Morgan. I'm sorry, I'm going out of order. Carmella, who cares? <laughs> Sorry, sweetie, you're not interesting uh, in that capacity. The fact that that match was the shit, the drizzling shit. Liv Morgan did have some cool moves, but mm, on to Shinsuke Nakamura versus really, I forgot about this in my notes. I kind of fell asleep. Uh, Nakamura versus King Corbin. King Corbin, really? Ugh. Oh my God, really? Ugh. Really? The, the business and that is the kind of let me just say that is the kind of match that makes me want to skip SmackDown. I do not want to be subjected to that. I mean, that was the one dead match of the show. You got to have a dead. I guess you have to have a dead time or dead air match, and that was one of them. Sorry, Shinsuke. I mean, I love you to death, brother. I miss. Shinsuke that romped through practically everybody on the NXT roster, but now he's getting the Oscar treatment. He is getting the Oscar treatment, you fucks. Um, and that has something to do with the. Uh, what do you mean the Oscar treatment? Oscar is Oscar's a winner and wins titles. Nakamura is a mid card talent. I'm sorry. He's going to be stuck and handcuffed to with the position that he's in. And he will not see anything higher than what he's in. I'm sorry. And that's that's the sad part, though, because if you think on this, you know, prior SmackDown episodes when he was supposedly going to feud, you know, with Roman Reigns to go after the Universal title, which make would have made sense. But then, you know, okay, if we're going to, we'll get on to that later because I'll probably ramble on and on and on. <laughs> the Intercontinental Championship match. Commander Aziz was banned from his really. They named him Aziz. 
which makes me think of the character from Robin Hood Men in Tights, a chew. You know, a sneeze, a zeeze, <laughs> sorry if I'm butchering you. You know what I mean? I'm sorry if I'm butchering the fucker's name, but fucking sake, give the big fucker a real name. Really? Really. Aziz. Aziz. Really? <sighs> Apollo Crews versus Kevin Owens. Let me guess. Apollo Crews retained. Because we don't want to give away all the fucking secrets. I like the match. I thought it was very good, but I think that it, here's the fun part. They didn't say anything about Sami Zayn interfering, which now, knowing WWE's favorite formula, let's add three to the party for Hell in a Cell because there's going to be little nothing to do with Hell in a Cell. I think it should be a Cell match, though. That would, I can just imagine what Apollo Crews, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn are going to do to one another. They're, they're NXT alum. All the Smarks are probably going to say, well, it'd be a great match, you know, if they would do it the NXT style. Too late. Like my co-host said, some people are stuck in the fucking handcuffs of Mick Harding and not getting a title ever. Sami Zayn got lucky he got the Intercontinental title belt. Very, very fortunate. Kevin Owens, I mean, he did lose to Goldberg in the past, but I digress. Uh, that was a long time oh, ago, pal. Goodness. Yes. Uh, WWE Tag Team Championship match, Ray Dominic versus the Usos again, because Sonya Deville said we did review the tape and you're going to have your second match tonight. Let me guess, they still, they still fucking won because of this qualification. Really? You, oh, okay. I did. I did remember watching this, but I, it bears my emotional insight on it. Why? Because how the fuck, man? At least, at least have a dusty finish. At least, or a finish in which, okay, you ended in this DQ. Why? Are we saving it for Hell in a Cell when Dominic digs and fucking, you know, and then all of a sudden Ray comes back from an injury that he probably never really had? The fuck, man? This is ridiculous. Last time I put the S on their chest, uh, Bailey and uh, Bianca Belair, because Bianca Belair and Bailey now are going to face each other for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship at Hell in a Cell. Again. And I, again. And here's the problem. They're stealing stories from, you know, past Raw, I noticed, with Bailey doing the whole, I'm going to fill the video boards with myself and laugh, 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 ha, ha, ha. I mean, she's not a heel, folks. I mean, she, she may seem like she is, but she's just, how do I put this? She's like that annoying little sister that keeps popping up at inopportune times and the gimmick <laughs> her to be a heel. I, I don't I'm, like. I, I I agree with my co-host sentiment because it's like um, last week on SmackDown Live with Bailey and uh, Bianca Belair. It's not that they're bad pairing for a feud. It's the way. Okay, if the roles were to be reversed, it would make more sense. Bianca has a very very hard time doing promo. Bailey is getting better. I, I will admit she is getting better, but at the same fucking time, really, the whole, I'm not here, I'm, you know, at my shrine, when clearly she's in the backstage area with the fucking posters pinned up from WWE shop, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, prop people, we can tell. We're not, I mean, I, I honestly believe that it's not a bad feud. And I'm not focusing on the main event because I, sorry, I could have told you that Randolph 
was going to retain. Um, but I do feel the tonight's show wasn't terrible. It just uh, it had its moments. You know, it I would say. Down. You know, I would say. I think that uh, Bailey is going to be a good person to get Bianca ready for the next level. I think that she's, you know, a solid hand in the ring. And uh, I think, you know, only working with somebody, you know, a little bit better, a little bit more experience is only going to just be more beneficial for Bianca. What do you think? I think that, yes, I agree. Well, I mean, Bailey elevated Sasha, you know, uh, I was there the first takeover, and, boy, they elevated each other. That match was Fantastic match, brother. I don't care who you are. Like, I cried, dude. I was there at Barclays. I was there. And I can tell you, I was there. Brooklyn the one was, uh, yeah. Bailey Sasha was yeah, the Yeah, excellent. And uh, it was a beautiful match. And I cried because that's a 45, like an Iron, it felt like an Iron Woman match. My God, those two put on a fucking clinic. Sasha can work. I love Sasha as a fucking heel. Bailey's obviously a good, great baby face. And she's starting to prove herself as a heel, but... There's certain tidbits about Bailey, and so, you know, like you said, she can help elevate Bianca because Bianca's getting she's getting ready to get to that next level. I I do think though that the roles, in my opinion, should be reversed because Bailey felt like she was handcuffed. She wasn't free at all. You know, it was a baby face. Honey, when you have someone that has their back turned and you just stand there and laugh, I understand that you're doing what you're told and you get paid to stand there and laugh like an idiot. But you look like an idiot when you don't attack the baby face from behind when she turns her back like three fucking times and you got cute and you didn't get in the ring. This was last week's episode of SmackDown Live. Dude, you're not a fucking heel if you don't take advantage of the, the, the face. They have their back turned not once, not twice, almost four times, folks, that she had her back turned to Bailey waiting for the – giving her the fucking cue, and she just stood there and laughed. Really? So that kind of cut Bianca and the audience by surprise. Okay. And two, let's fast forward into this week. Are we really going to put Shinsuke in squash matches now with Corbin? Is that the old man's business owner getting the best of him? And three. I think that's, uh, you know what, I think that's um, them not having anything for either of them and just trying to get them on TV. That's all. Okay, I understand I understand, and I know it's going to take them a minute because it's been a year. So you got to give them kind of the, the benefit of the doubt of putting a show together because now certain superstars, well, we're going to talk about this uh, on joint, you know, our separate shows because you know, Pizza Sense is going to discuss his, his feelings about the releases. I'm going to discuss my personal take on the releases, but we're going to save that for later. Um, you know, I I just cannot believe this. You know, SmackDown Live was a skosh better than Raw. Raw, to me, mm, I don't know. I mean, I went through across the board, and I told you I was going to possibly go over NXT. NXT is getting there. They just need a fucking kick in the ass. Yeah, I agree with that. I think NXT is a little boring, to be completely honest with you. After watching it for the first time in a long time, I thought the uh, Finn Balor and uh, Karrion Cross match was very good. But other than that, I just felt like this show was kind of a drag. 
If you're going to have DiBiase come out there, have him interfere. Fuck sakes. You had him interfere when the house wasn't even fucking full. Now they got people sitting in the audience with a virtual goddamn video board of people, and you don't... You, okay, so now Cameron Grimes and DiBiase are aligned with one another? No. They no, they're not. They're... Kind of feels like they are. I have a sneak feeling that Hunter's trying to... He left with uh, L.A. Knight, brother. Oh, well, you know. Teddy left with with L.A. Knight. So that's going to be... That's what's going to be the feud coming up. The former Eli Drake and and him. Yeah. I think it's a good pairing because for the longest time, man, DiBiase, if you remember... Like, he was paired with a lot of good names like Yokozuna and the one two three kid or, you know, Kama or, you know, the Million Dollar Corporation, which is constantly reformed. Now he's in modern-day wrestling. You know, guys, this – okay, so my feeling on DiBiase rejoining WWE, thank God, because they need someone that could help advise – It'd be even greater if he was with Adam Cole. I don't know about I don't know about all that, my friend. I think that um, Adam Cole spent so much time in that uh, in that faction, and now that he's split up, I don't think it's that it's it's a good idea to just automatically pair him with pair him with a uh, manager because there's definitely other people on that roster who need a manager as opposed to Adam Cole. I think it's Adam Cole's Uh, time to come up to the main roster, to be honest with you. At his size, though? I mean... (laughs) Yeah... Yeah, but it, it, it's time, bro. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, is the fatal four-way, what if he, oh, my goodness. So this has been a discussion in the past amongst my former co-host and myself. I have always said, what if, jokingly, a joke like, uh, for example, what if Adam Cole becomes NXT champion in this Fatal Four? What the fuck are we going to do then? Because we've predicted how many times Oscar was going to get called up to Maine. And then we predicted how many times that uh, Shayna Baszler was going to get called up. And they kept throwing us for a loop. That's the beauty of what Hunter does. He does you mind fucks. Oh, yeah, you think I'm going to call this person up to Maine roster? I don't think so, he says. <laughs> I mean, it's a constant mind fuck all the time on who's going to get the call. Adam Cole goes anywhere, he should go to Raw. Yes. Because SmackDown Live, if they get Adam Cole, good night, Raw. I think that SmackDown is a little uh, oversaturated right now. I think that Raw can uh, can use a shot in the arm, personally. Oh, yeah, because it's just McIntyre and Lashley you're trying to put on a show for all of us. And I mean, I, I applaud those two. It's just, um, there's one problem. 
I never cared for McIntyre, and I really, I, okay, the only time I really did was when I was at Royal Rumble, and um, McIntyre eliminated Lesnar. After that, the poor guy had to face Lesnar with no audience. And then Lashley comes around. That sucks. Around and he's, yeah, Lashley comes around, and then he's putting a love triangle story between him, Rusev, and Lana, which was stupid. And then now he was putting, after that, it was the Hurt Business, which helped him a lot. MVP, you the man. For helping. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, MVP gave him a good jolt. Yes. Because if I think on it any further, Lashley without MVP is just is unfathomable because without a mouthpiece, a guy that can't really talk, I mean, he can talk basics. He at least has the premise of a bad dude. But I feel like, speaking of Raw, I get it. Alexa Bliss, you know, had a tragedy. And I also now been kind of pissed off because you just now realize Nikki Cross is a valued talent. Hey, where the fuck was this, you know, a couple of years ago when she was like, oh, she wasn't ready. So they added, you know, Becky Lynch into the mix to get her ready. And then that feud kind of just fizzled. And then Nikki Cross got put with Alexa Bliss. Okay, I don't have an issue with that. Now you're making her a secondary. And then Alexa Bliss went on the run with Bray Wyatt. So now you forget Nikki. Now she's back in the, in the fray again. It's like, you guys, it's not just sitting around one female because you have on that roster, you've got Asuka, Nikki Cross, you've got Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler. So the women are not shorthanded on, on Raw. But what I'm saying is the reason why I've always kind of drifted over to or intrigued by SmackDown Live overall is because it's, okay, SmackDown Live is shorter length. They're on a different, they're on basic TV. And two, they don't stand there and pass the fucking microphone every goddamn 20 minutes. It's like, okay, are we talking or are we wrestling? Have <laughs> that's, because there's a, that's because there's only two hours of TV time, so they don't got time to fuck around. <laughs> on Raw, they got three hours, so they got to fill that content up with some bullshit. <laughs> Oh, that's the sad part, my friend, is that, yes, they can fill the time. They've tried the, the way, like, well, you guys want us to wrestle, so nothing but one show. They did just, the, like, eight matches, and they're like, see? Now you guys realize that just wrestling is boring. It's like, well, okay. So interviews backstage, that makes sense if you want to talk about what happened last week. Then the ambushes, and then all this stuff. So we're looking at three hours, literally, to fill the void. And I'm sitting here on my iPad sometimes going, okay, I'm going to say what Lewis Black says on his his stand-up tour. Fuck, I don't have enough breadcrumbs for the drive home. (laughs) Honestly, dude, I I used to love Raw because it used to be so full of shit. That made you believe in that bullshit. But, you know, it was, it was great when Mick Foley was around and Stone Cold and The Rock and, and, and other variables that made Raw work. 
SmackDown Live. Okay, it it's starting to sound something like this. Yes, it's two hours. They don't have room to bullshit. I agree. But I like that because I have ADHD, damn it. And Raw kind of makes you go, should I stay awake for the rest of this shit? Should I watch it if there's a You know what I mean? It, it just feels yes. like it's not a bad show. Why? I haven't watched Raw in probably two years, so I couldn't even tell you in the first place. <laughs> I occasionally turn it on to I can't. For myself. I don't know why. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I just, I can't waste anything because here's the thing. I can get everything I need to know just by watching the pay-per-view or the uh, Peacock special because I'll get a highlight package. Oh, I'm caught up. And then I'm just seeing the match that counts. This is true, folks. You can literally on the pay-per-views. If you haven't watched it in forever, you say, and then you turn on a pay-per-view like Hell in a Cell, which I had to complete. Was it that? Actually, this is going to sound bad as a journalist. Isn't that this Sunday? Uh, soon, though. It's this month. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't have that written down anywhere. I don't care. I actually do. Have and when I go to watch The Office, I'll get a I'll get a notification saying Hell in a Cell is on this day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's on Father's Day of all times. It's on Father's Day. Oh goodness, folks, man, that's the worst day to choose. Let's, Y'all had to choose Father's Day for Hell in a Cell. Let's move on, my brother. Okay, let, let's move forward. Um, let's so, get to AEW. I gotta come in with some breaking news. I wanted to. I wanted to let you get through your Raw and WWE speech, but uh, Andrade has just walked out on AEW with Vicky Guerrero. What is your thoughts, my friend, on that Andrade AEW Vicky Guerrero? What do you think? Wow. That's a bomb show in itself. I'm going to tell you this. Personally, that's a big pickup. I I enjoy that, and I'm going to tell you that he came out and he looked like a million freaking bucks, and whatever and whoever he wrestles, it is going to be – it's going to be a big match. He's definitely going to bring that big fight feel, and I think, like, after shaking the WWE bullshit off, he's going to be a star, man. He's going to be a fucking star, and he's going to have a sick match that people are going to shit their pampers over. Uh, oh, man. What do you think, brother? So, my, uh, I've, I've always known him like before WWE and before AEW, and Cosmel, when he was wrestling, like before like his CMLL debut, before all that, Oh, yes. Let's talk about it. Brother, when La Sombra lost his mask to Atlantis, that was one of the best matches I've ever seen. You know, that was emotion. You know what I mean? Yes. And and that's what I say to you. Like, if if he was, if he, he had said, like, I wrestled in front of 60 people, like, I wrestled, like, at birthdays, I wrestled at all this stuff, and for him to elevate with Aleister Black, with just random superstars, 
in, in WWE before AEW. Andrade is a huge pickup because imagine this, folks. If he gets in the ring, and when he gets in the ring, not if, when he gets in the ring, it doesn't matter where you put this dude. He is going to shine brighter than the sun, dude. They may say that I'm talking up a lot about uh, negativity about AEW, but let me say something. It's not It's not so much uh, who he faces. It's like, y'all do realize he's going to make you bring whomever he faces. He's going to make you bring your A game. It's the main event. He steps in the Yeah. I have a feeling, folks, you'd be looking at a surprise uh, sooner, soon-to-be future AEW champion, or if he, if they're gonna go small, uh, the TNT championship. Doesn't matter. He's gonna bring so much firepower that y'all don't have no idea. This signing yeah. compared to the other former things, yes. This one I agree with. Did you watch the pay-per-view? Uh, some friends of mine uh, said, you know, hey, you can bum it off our stream. And I said, okay. I did see Moxley did a tribute to Trent Acid with the shirt. I like that. Um, yeah, I, did, I really I, enjoyed that. I saw that Britt Baker was, you know... In true to form, she was doing a tribute to uh, Razor Ramon or Scott Hall with her ring gear, I believe. I uh, I also I didn't like watch it all the way through because I like I said I if I watch something AEW I'm going to get sick at it, and so I watched maybe uh, like one or two matches, and I watched okay, uh, okay so I watched I, I watched one or two matches. To be fair, I I tried. But I failed on a massive level uh, of watching the whole. What'd you watch? Watching the whole thing. I watched Moxley's match and then fell asleep, dude. I, I watched it late, and then I also watched Britt Baker's match, and it was really like, I think Britt Baker, like I said, from a distance, I do not mind at all. She's not, yeah, my cup of tea, but but she's a good wrestler, so. I uh yeah, I watched the uh I watched the Young Bucks and John Moxley match with uh Moxley and Kingston. I didn't like it. I really didn't because I just think like I just feel like it's nothing against Moxley and Kingston. I just feel like those guys are uh big, so much bigger than the Bucks that it they looked a little awkward when they were taking their moves. You you know what I mean? I think Okay, my my biggest beef with the Young Bucks is they're a bunch of. It's not that they are a terrible tag team. They are a bunch of spot monkeys. There's spots that they do. They're too like over the top, and it's just like you really don't need to over accentuate. You know, a standing drop kick and make you know okay cool. Right. Trying to be like the Rock and Roll Express, you need to just do the fucking move. And that's not just moveset. It's all about you. They're so overrated and so overhyped. If I had to pick a tag team that could really outdo them in the fucking ring, there's several. But one of them in particular, outside of, you know, Santana, Ortiz, whatever, I don't care for those two either. And I do not care 
uh, FTR, they're, they're much better than they lead on, but they're kind of slacking. If I had to pick a tag team to face the Young Bucks and basically embarrass them in the ring, it would be Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Why? Because they have a dynamic. The Young Bucks are very one-dimensional, and they don't have any range. They have supposedly, well, we do this and we do that. That's great. You're nothing but spot monkeys. You're like, okay, the Young Bucks, in my opinion, I agree with Jim Cornette's assessment on how they, you know, operate their matches. That they're supposed to be the heels. Yeah, they can call a match, but the only fucking problem is some of their execution absolutely sucks balls. And I, you know, if I was working them, I would just tell them, okay, what you know, how are we going to start out the match? And if they say we're going to start, you know, hot, okay, cool. But looking at that match with Moxley and and just, it seems like sometimes Moxley has to carry some of these fuckers in the ring. It, it Moxley really and does. Kingston. Yeah, Moxley, Moxley and Kingston. Seems like yes. Moxley and Kingston, I believe, feels like they have to carry some of these people that they face because some of the people that they have faced lose focus on the match. It's like they want to get all of their shit in, and it doesn't feel like it's a genuine match. It just feels like, okay, I'm going to do this spot, and I'm going to do that spot, and you're going to do this. No, dude, that's not a fucking match. That's a, I'm going to get all my shit in, you know, and then you're going to have a little bit of shine. Like, excuse you? That's just how I view the Young Bucks is just like they just they honestly try to get too much of their shit in. And they don't really leave any room for the NEOs to fuck the crap in. Uh, so, yeah, moving on. Um, the other match that uh, I watched was uh, Adam Page and Brian Cage. Um, I really think these are just two guys that I just think that they just really, just really botched the whole pushes of them. Like, Adam Page should be, like, higher in the card. Also, same with Brian Cage. I think being with Team Taz really just, really did nothing for him. And they just had Adam Page just kind of just drifting just off on a branch, a piece of plywood floating in the fucking floating in the fucking ocean, man. So yeah, <laughs> the uh, Adam pa- the Adam Page match and Brian Cage match was what you thought it would be. You know, they got their shit in, and Adam Page won. I don't know. It just feels like kind of just there. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got for me on that one? I think okay. So Hangman Adam Page. Okay, if you put him with someone that could help him, it might actually. I don't know. Like, uh, why don't we throw a wild card match and they're like, I don't know, Brian Cage. Brian Cage is absolutely like the Batista for AEW instead of like Wardlow and um, what you would call it and Hager. So if you put him 
versus somebody that can actually challenge him. I ain't talking about little Marco Stunt's piss hand ass. I'm talking about if they were to put him with Jericho. Or, or better yet, put him against MJF. You know, put him against the mainframe players. Or Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes versus Hangman Adam Page. Or it's not Joey Jan- I know Janela and him could have a back and forth match. I've seen it at Revolver a million times. The point is, I think that he try. I mean, they try to put him in a match that would compliment him. It failed. Because Adam Page, like, if you put Hangman Adam Page just for someone that he's not, that he's not going to compliment him in any kind of way, holy shit. You have, like, I have, we have an epiphany, folks. It's not going to fucking work in the immortal words of Cornette. It's going to fall flat. It's going to be a, uh, boy, his eggs are fried because if you keep putting Hangman Adam Page, who's a really good talent, I mean, not really good talent, but if you, he's a talent that you could put him against anyone, you know, Kenny Omega, anyone, um, just anyone other than, other than Pac, other than a mid card. But no, they keep putting him in matches that absolutely are the drizzling shit. They put him in a match, I think, a few weeks ago, or no, like last year, with Darby Allen. And that dude is like the uh, great value version of Jeff Hardy. We're going to. <laughs> it's like we're going to put the poor guy in matches that don't fucking matter. It's like, come on, dudes. That's like when you put, uh, well, I don't know, you put a you book a match together for him that's not going to compliment him in any which way. And that match, my friends told me about it. They're like, did you watch it? No, dude, I was like falling asleep, waking up, falling asleep, waking up. I did see tidbits of it, but I just, it match, to be honest with you, dude, was not, my cup of tea when it comes to watching a pro wrestling match had all the elements to it, told a story, but other than that, no thanks. I mean, I'm I'm just being honest. Yeah. So, uh, coming out of um, AEW, the next big thing is going to be um, Jungle Boy, who won the Casino Battle Royale outlasting Christian, and he'll be uh, challenging Kenny Omega for the belt after he retains in a uh, in a long doozy of a match against uh, Pac and Orange Cassidy. So that's going to be on uh, um, that's going to be on Dynamite in a couple of weeks or something. Did you say Orange Cassidy? Yes. Orange Cassidy, it was Orange Cassidy and Pac versus Kenny Omega for the AEW title. Oh, my. That's good. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That actually I mean, very intriguing. You know, I'm sure it was good. I'm sure it, it you know, served a purpose, I guess. I don't know. Just... Not not something I would uh, invest that much time into. 
I'd, I'd have to. I I personally couldn't watch an AEW pay per view in one sitting. I know myself, and I would fall asleep. That's a that's a God given truth. <laughs> well, you you just hit the nail on the head, my friend. And I said I try to be positive about them, but I can't. I just can't because the one time that they had a. a WCW Nitro feel to them was this main event, you know, with like the uh, War Games type match. And it's like, oh, God. Okay, so an example of like sitting through an AEW pay-per-view is just one match on Dynamite without a pay-per-view feel to it. There was suspense. There was gigging. There was blood. It was, it was blood and guts match, man. That's like Hence the title But they uh, To sit through One of their pay-per-views Yes I agree with my co-host It would be like Pulling hair Or doing a chore You don't want to do But you have to I'm not saying (laughs) That they can't Put put together A a good pay-per-view But when you got Cody basically Strip teasing You know Doing a weigh-in And you've got God knows what's going on with MJF and Jericho. It is a, it's one big soap opera, so you know, soapbox, whatever. Uh, but all this crazy shit going on, and it, we don't. It's so hard to fucking follow. It's it's almost up in the ranks with how bad WWE Raw is, and they claim that they're better than WWE. And I, there are people. That watch AEW because they get what they want. They get the brawls. They get the hardcore. They get the gigging that they, uh, WWE cannot do. Otherwise, you're going to hear all the Karen Carls and Steves complaining about gigging. Because kids should not be watching WWE, man. It should be every age. But back on topic, watching AEW, you have to pay $59. Who wants... Who would want to pay that much for a fucking pay-per-view? Explain. Like, who would want to pay that on the fight app? No thanks, dude. If you're trying to make money, then you're just saying, oh, we're, we want to get our viewers interested. Dude, no. You should have a live stream service. Do something different. Yes, it's very similar to WWE, but come on. I would not pay for it. <laughs> A friend of mine told me He's the former co-host of this show He goes How come you don't uh, How come you're not in uh, tune with AEW Number one Like I said There are things that bother me About just sitting there watching their programming A normal human being, if they watched one episode of Dynamite or AEW Dark, you would genuinely have the feeling of, um, what did I just watch? Certain matches make sense, and other matches not so much. It makes you scratch your head. At least makes me scratch my head. Like, for example, why would you have a match, a death match on live TV? Like fucking um, mouse traps uh, and broom handles with barbed wire wrapped around it. No, thank you. Like, it's just, I ain't complaining about certain things that AEW does, dude, but it's just, I couldn't bring myself to watch a two and a half hour to three hour pay per view of them 
trying to put together, oh, this is great for our country type, you know. I was like, no, dude. I personally believe that AEW is not a bad company, but in some instances, they're kind of waiting to scrap the WWE. They always seem to be. And they say that we're not going to be oversaturated with WWE talent. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Mark Henry is just, I mean, he'll give perspective, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Move on. I'm over it. (laughs) Let's, uh, you know, I think we covered it. So, AEW, the next big thing is going to be. Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega. We'll see how that goes. We'll get. Let's get into a slice of pizza with the independent with the uh, news from the independents because I got some things to say, my buddy. All right, fellow. Let's get into a slice of pizza. We're gonna start. We're gonna start with. Uh, I uh, tried. I wanted to watch NWA. But um, you actually have to pay for it now. So I didn't know that, and so I had to call call an audible, and I went straight into Ring of Honor TV 506. Now let's just really think about that for a second. Ring of Honor television, Ring of Honor television, just uh, it, it hit 506 episodes. That's really crazy to think. You know, they've been around a long time, and that's a lot of TV to produce. So um. When I uh, jumped into Ring of Honor, the show starts off with uh, uh, highlights from Rhett Titus and Tracy Williams retaining the tag team titles over the kingdom of Matt Taven and Michael Bennett. I think it's pretty awesome that uh, Michael Bennett's finally given a chance to just wrestle because he uh, was on WWE for such a long time, but really didn't get to do anything the entire freaking time. That was one of those spur-of-the-moment type talents that they signed. I believe Mike should have gone through NXT first. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay, so that brings us into... That brings us into an interview with the foundation, and Tracy Williams states that all all title matches from now on are going to be contested under Ring of Honor pure rules. And if no one is familiar with the pure rules, that basically means there's only three rope breaks, and there's no open hand. I mean, there's no uh, fist to the face. So it's really trying to emphasize the. Uh, it's really trying to emphasize the. Um, the pure aspects of professional wrestling. So the next uh, next we got a we got a, um, a pure, we got a match from Joe King and LSG, two guys from the Monster Factory. And the stipulations in this match was whoever wins this match, they get to pick the division they go, they get to go to. They could either choose the TV championship or the pure title. The LSG picks up the win over Joe Keys and chooses the pure division. You know, I'm really going to tell you that Ring of Honor TV is pretty much doing doing what, like, 
AEW initially promised that they were going to be and be an alternative to professional, the, the normal, uh, you know, sports entertainment and be more like professional wrestling used to be. And I think Ring of Honor has really stood the test of time and they've really gotten back to their roots and they're really producing good television when I jump in and out of the show. Um, next up, we got a... Uh, we got a highlight package from the Josh Woods and Silas Young feud, and which led us to our main event of Violence Unlimited versus the foundation of uh, of uh, Tracy Williams, Rhett Titus, Jonathan Gresham, and Jay Lethal. What a solid ta- what a solid faction here taking on Violence Unlimited of Brody King, Tony Deppin, who's pretty hot on the indies right now, Chris Dickinson, and Ring of Honor legend, um, Homicide. The win is picked up by Brody King when he reverses Jay Lethal's uh, lethal injection into the Ganso Bomb, which is essentially a torture rack spun into a pile driver. And, like, let me tell you, this really, 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 really looked nasty on TV, man. He really killed him with this. He really killed him with this move. Hello. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I was taking notes for, like, trying to recall, like, Ring of Honor because that's also, like, um, one of my favorite wrestling divisions. So, I, I, when you said something about them getting back to their roots, to me, Ring of Honor really hasn't abandoned that credo or that credence, um, their credo, sorry, since they've been around since 2002. And that's true. And to get back to Mm-hmm. When Eddie Guerrero wrestled there in 2002, and then you had other names come through there, and now we're talking about Ring of Honor Current, which is equipped with Mike Bennett, Zach Draper, uh, Lethal, and various other guys. Solid roster over there, brother. A solid roster. They show um, to the. Sorry. They they truly stick to like the traditional pro wrestling. It's not it's not as fluffed as uh, AEW and WWE. You know this because my uncle Bob, we call him uncle. We all do as workers. He I don't know, occasionally brutal Bob will show up. Not always, but I believe you know when you have guys like Cheeseburger and Delirious running around. Still, it's just amazing because um, the shows that they put together now and the two guys from Monster Factory who just recently joined from Danny's camp, uh, I got to say, man, I'm impressed with Ring of Honor and what they're doing right now. Yeah. And the fact mm-hmm. that they've Me made, too. The fact that they made it through – yeah, the fact that they made it through a pandemic, dude, without yeah. a physical audience with them, without the virtual video boards and – fake fucking canned heat and canned uh, cheers. My hats are off to them, dude, because they bust their mm-hmm, ass. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to 100% agree with you on that. 
And which leads me to my next match. Um, yeah, so I'm going to leave the – I'm just a heads up. I'm going to leave the WWE releases for you because I know that you've got a lot to say. So I'm going to let you unleash on that. I'm just going to get through my indie news. So um, the reason I didn't watch SmackDown tonight is because I got stuck watching a fantastic fantastic Iron Man match, which I had to cut short because I, uh, I, I couldn't actually get to watch Impact this week because I had to go on the air. But um, TJP versus Josh, Josh Alexander for the X Division title in an, in an absolute classic, Brian, in an absolute fucking classic, in, in an Iron Man match for the X Division title, this match, this this match so far is probably one of the best matches I've seen in 2021. I really want to say, and I'm gonna tell you what was really fantastic about this match is because in an Iron Man match, you know, as a fan, that could seem kind of daunting because it can go either way. It can it can be action packed, it can be slam bam, thank you ma'am, or it can be a slow thing, a slow grind, and you're only going to see something in the first five minutes and then the first, in the last ten, which I completely understand, but this was definitely not it. Man, this match started off with, uh, it was basically balanced with just basically a lot of technical wrestling. Josh Alexander and TJP really, 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 really worked well together. After Josh picked up the win, after Josh picked up the win, he basically just worked on top, and it was the you know that that classic story of David versus Goliath, and you know uh, TJ having to work from behind and and um, you know get that get that win. So after getting after TJ getting his ass kicked for a good a good chunk of the match, even though he was staying with them, Brian, he uh was taking a sweet he was a sweet ass kicking. And the I love the way the finish happened. So TJP was locked in Josh Alexander's Josh Alexander's uh ankle lock submission with the seconds running out so he he was uh fake you know making it look as if he was going to tap out but he ended up reversing reversing the ankle lock into a pin and scoring the pin to force a tie at the uh last few seconds of the match which forced an overtime which created a, a Frantic, frantic pace. Josh Alexander did pick up the win and retain the X Division Championship. I really want to say that, uh, yeah, Impact is doing it, man. Impact is, uh, you know, Impact is doing good shit right now. They're producing good content. That definitely, that that match is definitely a, a, a product of that. Yeah, I, I'm excited for Impact to go. Live, and I know that Sammy and then or Omega is helping run Sammy's group, and that's fine. But Sammy Callahan is one of the promoters, and two or Booker, I should say, and also he knows the inner working what makes the crowd happy. Impact Wrestling, like Ring of Honor, again they're doing it without the amenity, the affordabilities of or the amenities, I should say, of yep. uh, a virtual crowd. 
and they're doing so because they know that that's not what an audience truly is. It's what we're seeing at home. And can't, I do. You know what? If Impact has a dog showing, uh, oh, I don't know, so whatever they call it in independence. But they have, like, if Impact has a show, it's going to gain attention because if it goes out east, like, most of the shows are going to do 25 city tours. I get it. But Impact Wrestling, they're not something to sneeze at. They are. Yeah, they're doing well. Guys and gals, they're doing very well for themselves. And they showed it. And let me, uh, let me tell you, let me say the next show, the show, um, I believe, I, I believe their next show, Slam Slammiversary. I believe that's going to be their their first show with fans back in the building, and they're back in Nashville, their old stomping grounds, and it's sold out. So good for Impact. So I'm going to close it up with some with some um, some news, some some what's some happenings that's going on this weekend. Over over in Jersey, big weekend for Game Changer Wrestling. Hybrid, uh, they got a few shows. Hybrid Wrestling is uh, kicking the weekend off for Game Changer, and we're going to see uh, Gangrel coming back to face G-Raver. That should be interesting. Homicide, Homicide and uh, Rich Swan's going to close that, uh, close that show out and main event that. That's going to be a freaking excellent main event. I actually, before I tuned in with you, when I was going over my show notes, I actually saw a crazy-ass match with uh, uh, Mancer, Mance Warner, and um, the one they call Manders, which was an excellent match. Then we got, we got Game Changer Wrestling's big deathmatch show, the Tournament of Survival, which is going to be streaming live on the Fight Network. The first round is going to see Effie and G. Raver, and we're also going to see Atticus Kogar. He's going to be taking on Manders in the first round. And uh, what I'm going to really enjoy, which I just really got a tickle out of, the newly crowned, the newly crowned uh, Game Changer Wrestling Champion, Nick fucking Gage, is going to call out Zack Ryder. Their feud on <laughs> their feud on Twitter has carried over to the have has carried over to the live stage. So um, I'm interested in that, my friend. So uh, after that, um, you know, on the same day, June 5th, we're going to see the Deathmatch Hall of Fame. So I definitely think that's awesome. So uh, what do you got? You got anything for me, brother? Oh, yeah. Did you just say Nick Gage and call that Matt Cardona? Yes, sir. All I can say is R.I.P. <laughs> Matt Cardona. This pretty boy is going to get a ass whip and he's not going to forget. Just saying. Matt Cardona is a tough son of a bitch, but no offense, buddy. You're, you're entering the realm of Gage, and that that's just something you don't want to enter, man. Yes, sir. And uh, we the weekend is not done for for Game Changer Wrestling. We're also going to see Jersey Championship Wrestling, which is going to be streaming live on YouTube at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to see them. We're going to see that show main event by one of my favorites, Ricky Shane Page and Devin Storm, I believe. 
and the, their weekend's going to be closed out by the, um, the zombie walk. So that I don't have any matches lined up, but knowing Game Changer Wrestling, it's going to be fucking sick. And you can pick up all those shows on the Fight Network. And uh, Game Changer Wrestling is going to be making their expansion and and doing they're doing shows in Detroit which is a new destination for them. And they're returning to Chicago for some big shows out there and making their debut in Wyoming for an outlaw mud show. <laughs> that is incredible. So congratulations for, for all the success, the game changer wrestling. So big, t- big, t- big time, big time uh, shit going on over there in Jersey. And, uh, yeah, man, what do you got? I got to say, Game Change Wrestling has evolved a lot. It's kind of like the all-deathmatch version of uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver. Or Yeah, I think that it's come a long way from what it used to be. Uh, Game Changer Wrestling is definitely one of those – It. it if you like the not downtrodden version of ECW, it's not bad actually. You actually sit and have yes. a stomach to watch, not just watch. It's just to me, it's like CZ, if CZW and ECW had a love child, it'd be game changer. <laughs> so um, moving on, um, over on the Independent Wrestling Channel. We got a big weekend over there beginning uh, on Thursday, which I truly enjoy. I'm going to be honest with you. I like having shows on Thursday. I, just, I think it's something, it's something to look forward to during the, during the week. And we got for uh, Beyond Wrestling Makes a Return. And for <laughs> the name of this show really gave me a tickle. It's called Project Dolphin. And the main event saw... Um, the newly crowned IWTV champion Wheeler Yuta defend former defend against former champion Lee Morardi. Sorry if I butchered that name. And Dave Cole, which I heard to, which was a, I heard was a fantastic match. And over in Australia right now, we got Deathmatch Down Under's World Title Tournament. The the show's called The Juice is Worth the Squeeze. That's hilarious. Tomorrow night we got we got from Crimson Crown Wrestling the the Human Horror Show presents Games of Supreme Violence, which is going to see John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, and Schlack in action. We're also going to see Deathmatch Down Under's night two of their two-night championship tournament, which is going to bring me to my close, which I just want to plug. <laughs> um, next Friday night, June 11th, No Peace Underground, which is one of my favorite feds right now. It's a no-ring deathmatch company, and they're promoting an all-gay deathmatch show, which I think is fucking awesome. Good for fucking them. Um, The main event... This name of the show is called Fear Fear the Gay Agenda. That is hilarious. Go out there and kick some ass, guys. Effie is going to main event this show against Pero in the last Daddy Standing match. 
I'm going to really tell you, my friend, Effie and Pero, two bad motherfuckers, are going to ha- go out there and have an absolutely fucking ridiculous match. Effie's bananas, man. And, and Pero, I feel like he's one of those guys that would have got signed by, w- by the WCW in 1997. You know what I mean? He's just one of those big, bad, beefy fucking dudes. And these guys are going to go out there and kick each other's asses and fucking bleed all over the place. And there's going to be a lot of glass and shit. So that's next Friday, June 11th, Fear the Gay Agenda, No Peace Underground. Effie versus Pero, which is going to bring a slice of pizza to a close, my friend. That's your independent news for the week. Sass. <laughs> oh, man, that was amazing. I loved it, dude. So, if you want to catch more Pizza Simpson content, you go to his Instagram, please. Please follow him on his Instagram. And follow us. Weekly daily updates on Wrestle underscore radio on Instagram. It will be updated within the following week. Okay? We may be having possible guests on the show. We will be moving this shindig sometimes to Podbean and be shifting around. Just keep y'all on your toes, okay? Podbean's not a bad platform. It actually makes sense. Like, you know, clear. But we thank Pizza Simpson for his insight on independent pro wrestling and pro wrestling in general with Impact Wrestling and NWA. All opinions and personal observations may sound controversial and have additives and exploitive language, but if you are offended, you can go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> just plain and simple. Just plain and simple, all right? Just stealing, stealing a line from the still great trainer from Monster Factory, Danny Cage, Odes to you, my friend, and you keep doing what you're doing. Oh, by the way, Super Camp might be open for Monster Factory. For those interested, go to monsterfactory.org. Invest in yourself. I suggest that you go to these summer camps because you don't know what names are going to pop up. And uh, there are opportunities to train at the world-famous Monster Factory, which has housed Matt Riddle, which has housed Seamus, Lou Gallows, Carl Anderson, the old Monster Factory in Clindenton, New Jersey, which pretty good charge was ahead of. Anyway, brother, go to Danny. Let me tell you, L- LSG and Joe Keys lit it up for Ring of Honor and opened that show with a good ass match, man. My, two two yes. other Monster Factory freaking dudes who fucking kick some fucking ass. <laughs> Well, bad props to you because Danny Cage is a proud fucking papa, man. He's got kids in New Japan, Ring of Honor, APJW. You want on the long list? He's got a wrestler that's uh, represented in Germany. He's got a few more that, you know, okay, Steve Cutler got cut, but still, you got Matt Riddle. You've got Damian Priest. There are a laundry list of guys that I can name. From Monster Factory that, you know, 80% of the fucking roster dude, King Kong Bundy, that dude's from Monster Factory. Uh, the Godfather, even though this bitch is in and out of prison, Tammy Lynn Stitch, a.k.a. Sonny. Um, God rest his soul, Chris Candido. The list, Shane Douglas, Balls Mahoney, rest in peace. Um, 
It's just a huge-ass fucking laundry list of guys from Monster Factory. So attend these super camps, guys, because you will learn a lot from Danny Cage and various others that show up to there. Um, anyways, so let's uh, let's get into this party, shall we? It's Off the Rails Uncensored on Friday edition of Off the Rails Uncensored. And uh, the following content contains controversial expletive opinions containing expletive language. Off the Rails Uncensored is a coin phrase podcast off the rails on March 7th, 2016. If anybody is under the age of 18, this content is not suitable for their listening pleasure. And if they repeat it to their summer school teachers, I am not responsible for the ass whipping they are going to get. Two, my content is exclusive. Exclusively, you know, to the opinion thereof and to be combated by, well, Lisa Simpson. And do we agree on everything? No, that's the fucking beauty of it, okay? <laughs> you know? So, without further ado, and I promise you, folks, I will get Pizza Simpson his music. I'm putting shit together with my laptop as we speak. Um, so, folks, enjoy this show. Revel in it, battle at it, say this show sucks. I don't give a fuck you're listening, right? You are listening. So, um, without further ado, monkeys in the truck, could you please? It, my, uh, you know, music. <laughs> Because he did, you know, he did really try. He was the 
He was a disciple of Seth Rollins. But other than that, I don't really, outside of the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament, no. Don't really care for that release. I mean, mad props to you, brother. You know, you made it further than most of us, so good luck wherever you go, and Godspeed. Um, Lana, fuck you, goodbye, I don't care. Um, and I'm being dead honest with you. That bitch could not <laughs> fucking work. Bye, Felicia. Nobody gave a fuck about your ugly plastic surgery looking at. Your fake Russian accent that disappeared quicker than Kofi Kingston's fake African accent. Like, for real. Okay. And two. Oh, three. Bye. Santana Garrett, I mean, that's bad. You know, she was a big deal in the Indies. She made it all the way to NXT, mm-hmm. and then she kind of she kind of just, like, I don't know what. They just could not find a home for her character-wise. They really tried the whole Wonder Woman gimmick-looking thing, which was retarded. I don't know why. I mean, she kind of does look like an Amazon princess. But at the same token, it's like, really, we get rid of Santana Garrett. Most most of you don't know, Women of Honor, um, she was a part of a Wrestling Revolver show or two or three. So she didn't do anything wrong. It's it's the lay of the land. They have to get rid of talent so that they can afford shit and keep them this 25-city tour. Now, Braun Strowman... Uh, you know, it wasn't a bad release. He he wasn't um, up in arms about it. I don't blame the dude. It made me made glucose amount of bucks. Uh, he was part of the main event picture. He did have a match against Shane uh, Cage match at WrestleMania 37. He did have one title run. He beat Goldberg, which was you know. I don't care for Goldberg now. I did back then. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, the dude did go 98-0 back in WCW. That's Goldberg. But Braun Strowman, there are times when his attendance was piss poor, and his, you know, his fucking mad prowess. Every some people wanted him to be champion sooner than what it what he was. It's kind of sad that he's gone, but not really. Uh, in the sense that WWE only has a few big men left, Braun Strowman was kind of one of the guys that you wanted to, you know, laugh with. Also, you didn't want to fuck with because look how big the fucker is. I mean, I wouldn't want a freight train coming at me at 100 miles per hour running around that fucking barricade. No, thank you. I'm not taking that bump. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great, brother. You're going to feel me. You're going to be sore in the morning, blah, 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 and I'll take care of you. I have a feeling that's how the conversations went in his matches since the guy could – I mean, he had speed for a big end, but, boy, he couldn't work his way out of a fucking paper bag. He was your stereotypical big guy. Let's give a boot in the corner and white and boot wash him like Kevin Nash. Or let's give him a power bomb because it's going to be really high. Ee-wee! I'm going to fly off your shoulders. I liked the pairing uh, with him and Alexa Bliss when it was the uh, matches for charity. That was great. That was gold. Um, I am not – well, I am going to miss – You're going you're gonna to get these hands. Oh, <laughs> 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 
Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, I'm just being, like, you can tell by the happy sarcasm in my voice about that phrase not being missed, folks. The dude is huge, but like I said, he's kind of like the bigger redneck version of Hogan, if I think on it. Because if I look at his if I look at his offense, huh? I mean, there's just the releases that have come from WWE. Out of all of them, I was kind of surprised that Braun Strowman was being released. I thought, you know, well, for sure Vince isn't going to get rid of his business boner. Like, that's the, you know, the, the you know, thing. hearing that he had that big contract and whatnot, I could see them, you know, not having and them not having nothing for him anymore, and him having all that money. I, 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 I could see them wanting to cut, cut him. It's also because due to the fact, dude, that they're going back to a twenty-five city tour. It partially has something to do with the fact that they had to cut funds because the the ticket sales they got to pay the rent gate they got to pay a whole bunch of shit now and it's not in their budget. It's not that okay the WWE can't produce money. It's not the issue. The issue is when you go on fucking tour for wrestling, you got to take into account you have to pay the gate fee. And not only the gate fee, but you have to pay merchandisers and vendor uh, get to pay somebody to take care of your fucking merchandise and set it up. And you have to do all these costs for like the fucking setup, like the DJ, uh, the the road the roadie crew to set up the fucking shit, the union crew I should say, uh, that makes forty five dollars an hour, and it takes a long time to set up the shit for like the sound and. The Tron and all that shit And they had to put it in a truck And all that travel expense So Cutting these guys yeah. Um, the two that kind of surprised me Was Ruby Riot and Braun Ruby Riot is uh, I knew her as Heidi Loveless And let me just Point this out for you folks Like she is such a talent that she could go toe-to-toe with Sasha if she wanted to. She could go toe-to-toe with <clears throat> Bianca Belair if they fucking quit handcuffing her and putting her in fucking tag matches. Like, no. Ruby Riot was so much more than that. And it, it just was a huge damper what they did to her. I'm pretty sure she's like, oh, but no, you know, I had a good time. I had a great run, and he didn't have any kind of run. There was no championships involved. She didn't even fucking get near a, a Raw Women's Championship match. She didn't even get near a SmackDown Live Women's Title match. Because why? The company viewed her as someone that could help the younger talent as they got into WWE. So she was like what Jake the Snake Roberts was back in the day. She was a fucking handler. I gotta say, man... Um, I really I I don't know He did elevate himself with Aleister Black That was a good pairing for him But if he wasn't paired with someone That could compliment him It just He just was one of those guys That really needs someone to help him 
And that's, you know, it's not a bad thing as a worker. It's just, boy, that makes you – he is – okay, I'll give him credit. He ain't like Marty Jannetty who can't call a fucking match. Uh, but he – how do I put this in layman's terms? Okay. So all the people believe that these releases are a big deal and they're going to just devastate the company. Okay, no. Braun Strowman never really cared for and got annoyed that he got near the main event more than he should have. I think Samoa Joe could attest to this. Braun wasn't, you know, the greatest of workers and kind of was unsafe in a few instances. Like, the whole time we fucking just let the fucking table go on Lesnar, dude. The shit, they un they uncork or unscrew that shit so that it's easier for you to lift the fucking table. When you were in Brooklyn Takeover, not, yeah, not Takeover, but when you were in SummerSlam when they were doing it several times in Brooklyn, New York, okay? I sat there and watched this man. Just, just fucking balls to the wall, just lift this table like it was nothing. And just... Pours it on Lesnar, and Lesnar gets up and was like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. I'm just going to destroy you right back. I'm not even going to sell your shit. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't a terrible dude. It's just he was just... <clears throat> when he won the match in India and won the championship there, I was like, what's the point? Also... If you really wanted to make Braun Strowman relevant again, you could have done the whole Wyatt family reunion, dressed in peace, Brody Lee, but you could have done a Wyatt family reunion, and it would have made his character a hell of a lot more interesting, but they fucking dropped the ball on that one, they did. I would have wanted to see a Wyatt family reunion. Why not? You know, sometimes things run its course, and I don't know. Sometimes it's just you can't you can't just bring back the dungeon of doom. You know what I mean? Once it's done, it's done. It just won't be as good as the first time, especially if the first time didn't do that well. Mm, I think that well, okay. I believe when Bray Wyatt came, it's supposed to be like the hired-on henchman for Bray Wyatt. And when he evolved into that, you know, role when he's one of the giants that Cena has to kill, or or he's in that role where he's the entertainment value for the kids, that's great because he was entertaining kids. But as far as the releases go, dude, the list that you gave me, again, let me touch base with Lana. I don't really care for someone that was such she was a bitch in ring and she was a bitch outside. Now granted she made claim on social media that she wasn't all these things that people made her out to be, but from a personal perspective about her, she was a much better manager than she was a wrestler and they made her get in ring and it's like um I don't know if anybody has told you how to bump deer. It's not just the bumping that was fucking horrible. It was the fact that they allowed her character no fucking room. They made her like this supposedly ally to now known as Miro, but he does Rusev. It was great when it was Happy Rusev Day. It was awesome. 
when it was, you know, Lana Day. But then after, uh, you know, expanding or forward past that point or those points, she really served no purpose. And the fact that she managed Lashley and they just allowed her to just keep latching on to someone for her meal ticket, okay, great. And they said they're going to fix certain things about her, and they never did. So her release, thank God we don't have to deal with her hindering other women in the division. I'm sure she was a nice person. I'm sure she had her moments. But bye, bitch. I don't care. Get your ugly paper and plastic ass out of wrestling. Please do not join anyone else or anywhere else. It will be embarrassing if they pick you up. And this is from a personal perspective. You know, like, if I had told you that the very first rounds from NXT was bad, the only reason why she got on is the same reason that Scarlett got on with Karrion Cross is because she was eye candy. She had no fucking talent. Even Jim Ross could tell you this. The very first moment they drafted Lana over to wrestling was because why? She was the she was supposedly supposed to be a dual worker, manager slash wrestler. When it turned into the fact that she couldn't fucking work in NXT, well, they turned to putting her as a manager. That's just that she she fit best. And as far as uh, Okay. The other release name that you you told me, I I just at this point, Alistair Black is one that I'm pissed off about. One, if they would have put him in the corrective state of managing, not managing, but uh, if they would have packaged him correctly, no, you know, you can put him in similar to NXT, make him darker. And then you have a perfect fucking fit. Make him darker as in, I mean, hell, they, they satanized a lot of shit, fake shit, you know, with The Undertaker. They've done some weird shit with Bray Wyatt. Imagine, you know, if you were to put Aleister Black with certain talent. It would have made more sense. Um, even if they had said, well, we're just going over your deals, and he said, no, there's a reason. You know, I think it was, uh, I think, go ahead. I think it's pretty surprising because they were kind of starting to promote Alistair and they were giving him segments on SmackDown and he was uh, on the way up and then it was just kind of, it was kind of pulled. They just kind of said, fuck it and got rid of him. Simple as that. It's sad because, really, well, when you give it to Maine, they have to fit a certain kind of mold. The same thing with Keith Lee. Like, I just, I, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like there are certain talents that get up to the main roster, and we've discussed this before. They get lost in the shuffle. They either get lost in the shuffle or they get lucky. They get fortunate. They get paired with somebody like Matt Riddle got paired with Randy Orton, which is the oddest pairing in the fucking... I think that's the parallel, though, to, to Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. 
He shoots. No, they want him. Champa is very technical, and Thatcher is also technical, but Champa is also very eccentric, like Orton and Riddle. I don't know how this fucking came about. Matt's tall. He's skinny. He wrestles, of all things, barefoot. It's just, I, I think what I'm trying to say is when certain guys like Aleister Black get up there and they know he's going to outshine one of their favorites. I'm not saying this is totally true, but it is kind of. If one of those favorites complained, then guess what the fuck's going to happen? My trainer told me this a long time ago in professional wrestling training. If you outshine one of their boys, be ready for the fucking backlash. Yeah, because because you, 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 if you look at history with Hogan and Cena, there are guys that will tell you horror stories about them. There are guys that will say positive things about them. Uh, you know, but business-wise, if it wasn't for Hogan, if it wasn't for Cena, well, then certain moments would not exist in professional wrestling without certain guys who anchor uh, or help anchor Vince's business or Vince's company in WWE I should say you wouldn't have those moments but I digress Aleister Black was one of those releases folks that I feel was bullshit because like Pizza Simpson was saying they were giving him segments on Smackdown Live they were making him go up the ladder or letting him go up the ladder. So I don't understand why you, unless it has something to do with fucking budget, really. You guys can, they can afford the fucking equipment. The city, the city, actually, no. The company, I know this for fact. There's a separate company that provides that equipment for WWE, and that includes laptop and all that. The point is, the point is, Aleister Black, uh, Ruby Riot, Braun Strowman, so on and so forth, Buddy Murphy. Not as devastating as when I saw Mike Chioda's name at one point in his fucking releases. That was an official that had been with the company since 1988. And I just want to point out, dude, if you keep getting rid of loyal people, you're not going to have very many people fucking... It's the same fucking show. I'm so, I have to get that off my system, man. Without Aleister Black, without certain people, you could have rotated Gargano, Ciampa, and all the way you did. Without certain people to help elevate a roster, it becomes very redundant. Aleister Black was one of those wild cards that could absolutely fucking help change the fucking face of professional wrestling, uh, currently speaking, for WWE. If you let him loose and take him out of that plexiglass box, as Moxley has referred to it as, wouldn't be having all these issues with releases and uh, requests for releases. Some superstars are requested to be released because it gets to the point where what mold is Vince looking for, you don't know. And he's like, well, this may be what you did for NXT's audience, but now you're on my roster. Get the fuck out of here, old man. Are you fucking – I know he doesn't have any 
Same with the releases. But get the fuck out of here, dude. You I respect and have nothing but adoration for, but fucking shit. Like the Steinbrenner boys. Hang up the fucking boots, dude. Hang up the fucking pen. Or no, put the pen back in the cup folder. The notebooks and the production headset down. I love you, Vince. But I, I just think some of these releases, are, I would just want to point out, are not very... They don't make sense. But I get it. If it's for budget, if it's for um, business purpose... I get you, I get that you have to do what you got to do. This is not a plea. This is just an expression, or this is a form of expression of concern. If certain people got to be released, and you, you know, you say, "Well, this can help our budget." You guys make shit ton of money because there are a lot of people going on the shop buying merchandise, and these releases, some of them come as a shock because. Who are you going to have fill the fill the gaps? Are you going to keep signing people from Japan? Are you going to make it air apparent that you don't want certain people on that fucking talent roster because you know it's going to either one enhance or it's going to make other talents feel uncomfortable? I can already fucking tell you, dude, that um, just reading through why, you know, some of the results, how some of the releases felt about their release from WWE, it's not the end of the world. It's mainly their beginning. So, I don't know. WWE sucks. (laughs) To sum it up, WWE is not the company it used to be. Yeah, that's why I watch a shit ton of independence. That's why I watch a shit ton of independence, my dude. And it kind of the main the main shows aren't doing too good right now, my man. And I really just want to, you know, just emphasize if you know you're not feeling WWE and you're not feeling AEW, there's other things to watch. I mean, my friend wrestles in the independence. He's uh, supposed to be wrestling in Warren, Kansas. Uh, his name's Kurt Gannon. I've been to stuff like uh, Central Empire, CEW with Trevor Murdoch and uh, Nikki Sint and all of them. Those guys, they bust their asses and they, they have nine to five jobs. It's like uh, how pro football was back in the day. And, um, where they had nine to fives and then they'd go play football. Well here this is independent wrestling. So they they go to their regular um their regular job and then they go wrestle. Some independents are great, some it depends on where you go. Like if you watch the big name independents like Game Changer Wrestling or C Z W or Whatever your cup of fucking tea might be, man. I got to point this out. It takes a great deal of fucking patience to sit through mainstream wrestling. So if 
and this is a message to AEWs and WWE. If you think for one fucking second that we are intrigued by all the bullshit that you try and put on fucking TV, some of it yes, some of it no. We're not saying it's all bad, okay? Nothing against you guys, but um, here's my personal take on it. With all the releases that have been down, you know, they're mean that people make because AEW literally has sat and waited for some of the talent to be, you know, formerly from WWE and some of them are gold mines, like Andrade Cien Almas. But I don't know if Aleister Black going to AEW would be such a great I don't know. And I don't I don't care what the dude does. I don't care what Thomas N does. What I do care about is if these guys or gals find work because wrestling is very hard to pick up after you've been released from a major company in some instances because you're taking a major fucking pay cut if you go to the indies and the promoter has to give you the money up front. I don't care who you are. If you if you were once a name that was household or currently released and you don't ask for the money up front, you're going to get fucked 10 ways sideways. But uh, what these releases did for me, what you just read off, there's about three of them that I really actually genuinely care for and think that they're going to be great things. The other two, okay, one was not a big O, but... He did provide entertainment, so I'll give him that. Two, the second that got released, Lana. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I've I've met you at Access. It was great to fake smile, but no one ever. She was even a bitch at Access, dude. She wasn't very friendly. So, you know, she can claim that she was... uh, personable person, that she was a good company worker. I call bullshit. Just saying. I call bullshit. She'll be on AEW accompanying <laughs> Miro to the ring in 90 days. I'm not I'm not going to be surprised. I mean, she congratulated him on social media. Those two have been talking back and forth. I'm saying they're getting back together because Miro basically stated, I have no interest in her. Um, you know, thank you for the compliment, you know, all that shit. <laughs> this bitch is flirting with Miro on fucking Twitter. I thought you were not interested in him because you at one point stated that he was verbally abusive and that the relationship was toxic. And your Texas accent, dear, not your fake Russian accent that you normally have. Also, that's another thing. When when characters are given, I know this isn't Lana's fault, but when characters are given in wrestling like a fake accent, it's just I suck at Middle Eastern accents. Yet that was my first gimmick. Did I go around talking with a Middle Eastern accent if I went to another promotion? Mm, I would have to. I sounded like fucking Borat, but it was just. It's one of them things where she and Kofi Kingston had something in common. Their accents both miraculously disappeared, okay? And it wasn't just the accent thing. It was the placement of her. After fucking Rusev, it was just like, 
where to put you. If I was if I was Vince, which I'm not, thank God I don't have your chore of fucking, you know, doing what you do, placing people where I can be. And Lana was one of those people that, uh, to sum her up, she was not very nice. She was not very personal. She caused a lot of shit. She got into a fight. Um, well, it was not so much a fight. It was a dis- it was a, a mutual disagreement at fucking access. And she does. I mean, she has no social cues. So, in other words, that release don't care. Two. Uh, yawn. <laughs> That's what I think of Lana. Buddy Murphy, my guy, unfortunately, my dude, you kind of shine, chose a little too late to shine. You need to fucking shine brighter. Okay? Because Buddy Murphy's not a bad talent. It's just, there was nowhere to fucking put him. It's just sad. Okay? Now, the other releases that I want to point out, like, okay, that from the past. Uh, Steve Cutler and Mike Kyoto. Steve Cutler, I can understand, wasn't that great of a character. Um, and he stood there for NXT instead of doing what he could have done better. He decided to go with his own shit. Uh, Mike Kyoto, a loyal, loyal referee that got canned, man. That's that's the one that kind of made me go, wow, you just cut one of your senior officials. That's that's pretty uh, deep when it comes to, you know, cutting costs and digging out of your own pockets. Okay. So, summing it all up, releases suck in wrestling, but it's for, you know... I guess a worthy cause because financially, if you're fucked, WWE probably has been losing a lot of money, but they gained a lot of it back because WrestleMania 37, anyone, 25,000 people who have not been to a show they ended up getting to go and the merchandise was great, merchandise sales, all that good stuff. That being said, I'm gonna cut yeah. this uh, short. Yeah, because like I um, like if you didn't like what good old Brian Rose or Keith Simpson had to say, I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. And if you would like to catch this show, you can download it free on iTunes. And share it with your people on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook. If you want to reach any of us, if you want to message us personally after the show has ended, or after the show has aired, I should say, you can do so by messaging us right directly to our inbox at the main headquarters inbox at Wrestle underscore radio on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at underscore Brian Rails. On Twitter, on Facebook, it's Wrestle. Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com. Uh, Pizza Simpson, you can reach him on Pizza dot Instagram. Pizza dot Simpson on Instagram. Uh huh, on Instagram. Nope, just Pizza and Simpson, all word, one word. Pizza Simpson, one word. Pizza Simpson, one word. Okay. 
For those of you who have religiously listened to our show, we have almost 7,400, yeah, almost 73, 7,400, somewhere in that range of listens. We thank you for all the crazy people who stay up to listen to our shit. We are a rambling fool. Well, I'm a rambling fool. My friend's more set than me. So, um, <laughs> you did a good job this time. You uh, kept it in check. I like that you saved the rant for off the rails where you really got to go off the rails. I I did because I, I just felt like there's no need to beat the beat the dead horse, you know, with Lana and shit because I'm sure she's probably like, what the fuck ever, haters going to hate. Like, really, you're from Texas and you're falsifying an accent. I don't have an issue with that. What I do have an issue with is what she did to Natty. What she did to several other women, you know, when the company was like, woe was me, I don't have a spot in wrestling, I never have a fucking spot, and she cried about it, and she got a spot. You know how many other women got to fucking work for their shit? Not saying that most of them are not eye candy, but they work their asses off. Two, um, to all, like, Heidi Loveless or Ruby Riot, um, you're going to be missed. I wasn't a part of the locker room, but I can vouch for you dude because after meeting the after meeting her and being around her dude she is a class act and she is one of those workers one of those wrestlers that you just absolutely fall in love with because she not only listens but she's also one of those like support beams and stuff like if you need to talk about something that's bothering you she's there if you needed to learn how to do something in a match she's there so without her, you know, I'm pretty sure some of the females are going to be like, well, what am I going to do now? And Liv Morgan was right. So whomever gets Heidi Loveless, you win. Because I guarantee you, I, you know, she'd actually be a good fit to shut the fuck. I'm sorry, Britt Baker, some, a lot of people are big fans of hers. I ain't. So I want to see Heidi Loveless beat the shit out of Britt Baker. So Britt Baker's once and for all can... Uh, Find the match, you know, instead of just Thunder Rosa. And not just that, but it doesn't matter where she goes. She's going to be fucking amazing, whether it's Women of Honor, whether it's CCW. doesn't matter. We all, we all got to start somewhere. All right. So, folks, I don't know about Pizza Simpson, but toodles bitches I got to go to get some shut eye because otherwise I'm going to be one big crab in the fucking morning where we work so yeah and you have any questions about that that's another podcast for another time because I will rant and rave about some things about this job not a lot but I will rant and rave about my uh my my drogginess in the morning how about that (laughs) all right Real though. All right, bro. Enough of my fucking ramble. All right, Pete. All right, man. Next Friday. Later, bro. Yes. Thank you. Later. All right, folks. That was Pete Simpson. We had a great show. For real though, tools, bitches. I have to get some shut up. Take it. <laughs>